Welcome back to What You Need to Know. I am your host, Matt Stoball. Thank you once again for listening to the show. Um, this episode's guest, um, I'm very excited for this interview for you guys to listen to this. Um, this is a great friend of mine. His name is David Korzanowski. I've known him forever. Um, he's currently a play-by-play announcer for the New Hampshire, New Hampshire Fisher Cats, uh, the AA affiliate for the Blue Jays. Um, he's, uh, a 24 years old. He's a year younger than me. Um, like I said, I've known him forever. We used to go to sports broadcasting camp together, uh, growing up, uh, as kids. And like I said, I've known him for a very long time and, um, he's a Boston guy through and through. So, uh, along with this, with the Fisher cats, he's, you know, announced multiple, uh, you know, games and sports for, you know, the Ivy leagues around the area for Brown, um, I believe for Harvard as well. Um, I know he's done a couple of other schools in the area as well, but he's a Notre Dame graduate, which um, I think is an interesting, uh, you know, I, I find the experience with his time in Notre Dame kind of fascinating because it's not exactly a journalism school um, as we've had with other guests. So I think it's interesting for you guys to hear about his time there. Um, and also, you know, just, you know, experiencing his time in the pandemic, how it kind of forced him to pivot a little bit, um, you know, play by play is, is a tough career as it is. And the pandemic certainly made things much easier. And, um, you know, what he learned going to masters, getting his masters at uh, Northwestern and, you know, just kind of what he's learned from there and how he's he's gotten to where he is today. So without further ado, uh, here is David Korsanowski, play by play announcer for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. All right, guys. So here today, a good friend of mine. David Korzanowski, a freelance play-by-play announcer. Uh, me and David, God, Dave, how long have we known each other? Since, like... Yeah, it's been, like, since, what, 2013 or so? It's got... Yeah, it's got to be. Maybe? It's got to be, yeah. I, I got I to gotta ask, do I call you Snowball on this? I know, you know, S- oh, ooh, ooh, you can. You know, that's what, that's what you know, you'd be the first. I'm going to say, not many people have called me that on the pod yet. I'm surprised, actually, uh, yeah. Uh, when I had Blake Devine on uh, last couple years ago, I thought he he would be one I figured that would call me that that, but that wasn't the case. So you could go ahead. I mean, we'll, we'll let the audience know. I ain't afraid to share that uh, in the public. That's not a problem for me. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've known David for a long time, and David, you know, David is a true true play by play announcer. Um, he does it. David, how many how many places have you? How many networks uh, teams have you worked for this year? this year. So I'm going to go by athletic season because that's kind of the calendar that I follow. And I feel like a lot of people do in our field is kind of fall sports all the way through spring, um, sort of that college athletics calendar. So since the start of this athletic season, I've worked for like six different places. So two networks and I think four schools, if I'm counting right. What are the networks and schools? Yeah. So I, um, I've done stats for ESPN, so I help out with some of their remote college basketball broadcasts, uh, and I do talent stats for Mike Monaco, uh, who's a mentor of mine. NBC Sports, I've done stats as well as play-by-play, so that's number two. Um, And then I work at Brown, Holy Cross, and Northeastern consistently. Just got a minor league baseball job. Um, That probably counts as one as well. And then Notre Dame, for some of the games where, like, their, their whole setup with um, NBC gets a little above my pay grade at certain points because sometimes it's the university paying me uh, if it's not actually like a NBC, SN, or Peacock game and it's just a digital game. Uh, so Notre Dame might might count as a uh, sixth or seventh. I don't know what number we're up to, but there, there, there you can kind of get a little taste. Sound, yeah, it's definitely a lot. And it's funny with the NBC stuff because, you know, I've, I work for NBC Sports, yeah. obviously, so I always love – I, you know, I mentioned to you, I always love seeing your name on the production schedule and, you know, you're working with some <laughs> great producers that I've worked with a few times. So that's always funny to me when you're doing that stuff for Notre Dame. Um, yeah, it's a small world. Yeah, right. I mean, seriously, you know, it, it really is. But, uh, you know, so but David, you know, like I said, I've known you for a long time. And as long as I've known you, you've always wanted to be a play by play person. And I would just love for you to kind of talk about, you know, you you obviously uh, you've talked about Notre Dame and I know you've grown up a die die, 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 die hard Notre Dame fan. And I would love to just hear your, your story growing up and you're from the Massachusetts area. Uh, yes. you know, just growing up, you know, why did you, how did you get into sports and what kind of made you want to kind of go into this career, um, and, and want to be a uh, broadcaster? 
Absolutely, man. So you are going to appreciate this story more than a lot of people I tell it to because uh, sports broadcasting camp, which is where we met, play-by-play sports broadcasting camp was really uh, kind of at the at the forefront of this. And it started when I was about 13 years old. Um, I was getting a subscription to Sports Illustrated Kids. So it was coming in once a month. Um, I was reading a lot. You know, I was super into Boston sports, as you well know, uh, growing up in the Boston area. Uh, you're a New York guy, so we, we certainly have had our arguments over the years. Um, Definitely. <laughs> but I saw I saw an ad in Sports Illustrated Kids. I was in, I think, seventh grade, and it was for play-by-play uh, sports broadcasting camp. And I run into my dad's room, and I was like, hey, like, I would love to go to this. Like, I was so excited. And he was like, yeah, sure. So it was at BU um, those first couple years, and then it was at a – few different schools, uh, the actual location of the camp. The camp stayed the same. You and I were there, I think, uh, every year, if I'm remembering right. It was I think, so, I think yeah, so I started going to Boston, uh, like 2010, 11. So yeah. you, yeah, so you were there and I was there like every year, I think. Yeah, pretty much. And then we, we, we went to like a, you know, a little reunion basically like after we were yeah. quote unquote graduated. So that's really where it started, man, was okay. I, I saw the ad for that and it was a, it was a camp that, I loved um, just being able to, for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, I know you mentioned Blake Devine. Um, we met there as well, but like you get to do stand-ups, practice play-by-play, radio show hosting, uh, top 10 on Sports Center, all this stuff, right? So um, that's where I kind of, you know, got my first reps, if you will. And I've really just been following it ever since. Uh, grew up a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame was on the list for colleges that I wanted to look at, but obviously you know, not as well known for uh, a broadcasting school. I looked at Syracuse Northwestern, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Wisconsin, the usual suspects. Um, Ended up getting into Notre Dame and UNC early. Um, And honestly, some of those other schools, you know, one of the drawbacks there is, hey, you can't get on air until you're a junior or senior, right? I'm sure you've had people talk about that as well. Um, And Notre Dame was a place I could get on the air a little bit earlier and a place, um, to be totally honest, that actually offered me a little bit of money. Um, that made my decision a little easier um, because I think if I didn't get the scholarship, you know, the um, financial aid scholarship from, from ND, I still probably would have chosen there. Uh, but it made it uh, kind of a no brainer. Um, so that's where I went for school. And um, yeah, I did a lot of it when I was undergrad. I'm sure I can get into that a little bit more here um, and then have been, have been following the path ever since. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny when you mentioned the scholarship, because actually when we had Emily on a couple of weeks ago, she mentions a similar uh, story when we came to Syracuse. She really wants to go there, but they didn't offer her a scholarship, and sure. Temple did. It was one of the main reasons why she went to Temple. Um, and for you, you know, just and, you know, just you know, it's just funny, listen, here in some of the schools that you apply to, you know, like UNC Chapel Hill, that's a great journalism program. You know, I think for some people, they think of Notre Dame, they obviously think of the athletics and the tradition and all that. But I don't know if many yeah. people think of that as a powerhouse communication school like a Syracuse, like a Northwestern, you know, yeah. um, did, did, did that ever like worry for you? I know you said and, and, and I think you should kind of really like I think I would like you to come kind of go into like, you know, especially for, if you knew you wanted to play by play. So a big part of it is, hey, can I get my foot in the door early because you want to build a reel? So. Was it more so that, hey, it's more important for me to go to a school where I can get in earlier? Or is it, hey, I should probably go to a school that is nationally more known as a good communication slash journalism school? Yeah, so a lot of things went into that decision. Um, I would say, first of all, to go back to something you touched on earlier, like I wanted to go to a really big sports school because I'm from the Boston area and there are a lot of schools out here, but like Boston College and then, you know, obviously you got a lot of the higher up schools, right? Not that I would have a chance of getting into some of these places, but like your Harvard's, your MIT's, you know, a lot of really impressive schools in Massachusetts and in the Northeast. And, um, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where people, you know, gave a crap about sports. Um, so Notre Dame checked that box. All of the other schools that I mentioned checked that box as well. Um, the draw of like a well-established broadcast school um, was something that did not go away as I was applying, uh, it's something that impressed me about Syracuse and Northwestern, just sort of their whole infrastructure and setup and the TV studios that they have. And I know you guys had a lot of that at Arizona state as well. Um, 
what I found in Notre Dame was a place where people cared about sports, um, where I could still have a similar major. So like Notre Dame doesn't even have a broadcast journalism major, which is really? kind of wild. Wow. Yeah, which is wild. So the closest that they have is film, television, and theater. And I talked to a few of their uh, professors, said, hey, this is what I'm interested in, sat in on a couple classes, um, and felt I could still get some of that education. Now I say some because it's not nearly as in-depth or as uh, focused, I'll say, as like a Syracuse or a Northwestern's curriculum. But there was a sports and TV class that I took. There was a television production class that I took. So all like transferable skills in that sense. And then, Matt, honestly, like to go back to like kind of what tipped the needle away from like a uh, Syracuse or Northwestern was the fact that um, I could get really involved outside of the classroom. So Fighting Irish Media is basically Notre Dame Athletics Department's like uh, communications, like sort of media wing, if you will, of their athletic department. So they produce all of the live sports events um, they use student workers for camera, graphics, replay, and of course, um, some play-by-play guys. So I introduced myself to those guys early at Fighting Irish Media, their full-time employees, and was able to get involved starting my freshman fall. I was not calling games freshman fall, um, but I was cutting highlights. I was logging video. I was just in the office so that they could tell that I was serious and you know was willing to do some of these other tasks and learn. Um, And then I got my first play-by-play my freshman spring, um, which is, you know, I think on the earlier side from some of the other peers that I've talked to. And uh, that was a blessing just because I was able to get on air a lot, make my mistakes early, um, and then, you know, get get a chance to, by my senior year, uh, be calling, you know, Notre Dame women's basketball, who was, had just won the national championship and was top 20 in the country. So, um, yeah, those are, those are kind of some, uh, factors that went into my decision and, and ended up making it a, a good one for me. So to skip ahead a little bit and we'll, we'll continue with college in a sec, but to skip ahead, just now that you've been out of school for a few years, and I know we went, you went to grad school as well, but to, you know, to, to just kind of be out of school now for a little bit, start doing your, you know, working now full time. Do you think that like, do you, is there anything like, do you think that you've, when you came out of school and like working a little bit, like, do you ever felt like, Oh, Maybe I went to Syri- like these guys that were from Syracuse or whatever from what you know these other communication school. Are they ahead- they feel like they I, they learned a lot more. Like they're almost ahead of me, or is it like you feel like you're all in the same playing field? Like do you think it really had that big of an effect uh, in your broadcasting career? If that makes sense as compared to if you went to one of those more well known communication sure. schools. So you're so if I'm understanding right, just like kind of compare where I'm at versus right. my peers like, at some of these Oh, wow. Schools. You know, this guy went to Syracuse. He knows, yeah. wow, he seems to weigh way more about, way more about the business than sure. I do. Yeah. So what I'll say is like, I think it's a, I think I left college with some different strengths than other people um, from a Syracuse or a Northwestern. And they left with uh, some different strengths than me. So like an example I'll use is, um, like, uh, you know, something like a Vosat or, you know, Nat Sound, right? Like things that are, are second nature lingo in a TV newsroom. I didn't learn that stuff, honestly, uh, from a classroom setting until really last year when I did a grad program at Northwestern. Um, so we can get into how I ended up there in a bit because I, I realize I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit here because I did end up going <laughs> to Northwestern for a year. That was more COVID related than anything. But, you know, as far as like the X's and O's um, and specifics of a TV newsroom, you know, how do you turn out a package on a quick turn, right? Like what are ways to edit in Premiere? Those are strengths that I think my peers at Syracuse, Arizona State, Northwestern were a lot better at than I was. But honestly, like I felt I was a little bit, I had a little bit of a leg up in terms of like, the, the number of games that I've called and the amount of sports um, because I had done close to a dozen by the time I'd graduated Notre Dame, I'd called, you know, some good, um, good matchups on watch ESPN, ESPN three, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Cause I know they've changed their name like 10 times, but uh, those are some digital streams, right? There were, there were peers of mine at other schools that were like, Oh my gosh, like you got to do a, a TV hockey game. 
And like, that was something that Notre Dame afforded me that opportunity. Um, I, I don't want to say at the expense of your, your TV newsroom, you know, curriculum. Um, but that was something I kind of was a little bit behind on. Um, if that answers your question, you know, you know, what's funny. They, I think that's dead on, like, at least from my experience, because you know, like a Vosat, all those, that little lingo, I knew all that stuff. You know, I learned premier when I was in college sure. at Arizona state. Like I, I learned all that kind of things, but I never, and I didn't want to do broadcast, uh, like be a play by play guy really. But like, I never did like the production stuff that you did, like to work for ESPN three. Like when I came to NBC, it took me, I had to learn all that stuff. Like I didn't know that how some things worked in, in terms of making a, a TV production. You were able to do that at, you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to places that actually use trucks, you know, for, right. for games. Right. We, we didn't right. really have that ASU. So like you, you kind of knew that, how that, that setup goes. And even just to learn the, the, the prep and what goes into the, that kind of production, I think it's huge. And I think, and, and my point is like, I, and I wanted you as a guest for this, especially is because to go to a school like Notre Dame, you can have those kind of opportunities. You do not have totally. to always go to one of these, you know, huge, you know, well-known communication schools. You can go to a school like Notre Dame and have those kind of opportunities, especially if you, I think if you want to do play-by-play, I think right. the, you know, the more reps, the better, uh, I, I think is always the case in play-by-play. Um, and also, I, and, and before we kind of continue your college, you also spent a, uh, a summer out in the Cape as well. And you were, mm. uh, you know, you did the Cape Cod League, which if you a, are a, a sports journalism major student, you in a weird way, you're going to know one person one way or the other that goes to the Cape Cod one summer, yeah. lives in like a shack and goes and does <laughs> you'd baseball and is going to talk to the next, you know, Marcus Stroman, for example. I know he played for Orleans. So like, one of, you know, you're going to talk to some young players that potentially could be big time guys. So and you also it's a great and you tell me when I'm, if I'm putting any words in your mouth, but you also meet a ton of people from all over the place that go to the Cape that are sports, like I said, sports journalism students and are all trying to do the same thing. So I, I, I got to ask what the Cape was like, like mm. what that experience was like for you. I mean, you're a local guy, a, a Massachusetts guy. So, you know, you weren't going crazy far from home, but you, you know, right. you stayed out there. What did you do there? Who did you meet? You still stay in touch with everyone. Just what was that whole experience like for you? Yeah, it, that was a blast. I mean, that was my first real, like, not job, obviously, because it was an unpaid internship, but that was like my first real, okay, you're away from college, you're working a broadcasting job, um, and you do it for three months. So it was a blast. And the way that my view of the Cape Cod League has kind of changed is kind of funny because I, you know, my uh, a lot of my friends have Cape houses, a couple of my uncles do. So I've been down on the Cape every summer for at least a week, um, pretty much since I was a little kid. And we would go to Cape Cod League games and it was something in the back of my head. I was like, oh, like that'd be fun to apply to and stuff. And then sure enough, like Matt, you just attested to it. But like it's probably one of like the main summer internships that people who want to get into this field, at least in like a a live broadcast sense, whether it's social media, um, videography, photography, live production, play by play, like that's like it's like kind of the top it's like cream of the crop. It's like that, the Northwoods league. And then honestly, I think that some of these MLB partner leagues are actually taking away a little bit of uh, the clout, if you will, that the Cape Cod league once had. Cause I think you have a lot more competitive summer leagues now uh, than even like three or four years ago. Right. But it was a blast, man. Like you just said, I mean, so much talent has come through the Cape league. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber played for Wareham. Uh, Chris sale played for Yarmouth. Dennis Marcus Stroman was on Orleans. The list goes on and on. Jacoby Ellsbury uh, was on the Falmouth Commodores, which is the team that I worked for in the summer of 2018, 2019. So I was play-by-play both summers, uh, worked for both summers with my broadcast partner, Danny LaRose. He went to, um, I always screw this up. I want to make sure I don't. University of Miami is Florida, right? And Miami University is Ohio. Yes. Uh, university. Yeah. Yeah. It's university Miami, Miami university of Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so university of Miami, he went to the coral uh, school down in coral Gables and we got along great. We had a couple really great summers together. We had a, you know, two really strong media teams and a a supervisor who's still one of the best bosses um, that I've had even in, even in just that three month internship. And it was a lot of fun, man. I mean, it doesn't get much better than just being a college kid 
um, living on the Cape. I got lucky because one of my friends, um, families has a house in Falmouth. I went to high school with them. Um, and they let me stay there, which was like unbelievable. Oh, wow. Um, so that was, that was awesome. You, you were very lucky. <laughs> I was super lucky. I was super lucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, like I, I, like I said, I knew a good amount of ASU kids who went there, which by the yeah. way, when I mentioned your name, the, the people be like, how the hell do you know David Korsanowski? And I'm like, <laughs> you have no idea. So I was always funny you, you to me. Should, it's you, like, should, <laughs> you should tell them, how do you know David Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it was always great. I, I always loved, awesome. I always loved doing that. But I mean, I would hear the stories of, yeah, you know, I'm living in, it's four guys. We're living in a, like a two bedroom, the shower's outside. Yeah. We have a bath and like maybe one stove if we're lucky, if it works that day, yeah. the matches work, like the gas lights work. Like, like you, you, like the, the Cape is like you, it's, it's, it's a great place to live, but you're not getting luxury for doing the league. Correct. I know that. Correct. So yeah, it's, it's a grind for sure. Um, um Yeah. Yeah. And so like, do you stay, do you still stay in touch with a lot of people that you were on the team with? Um, like, is it like, do you, did you feel like, like, what were the biggest things you learned from your time out there? Okay. I'll start with the first part. So I am in touch with a good amount of people from the Cape league. And honestly, that's been one of my favorite parts about the past like year. COVID really screwed up a lot of people's plans, myself included. Um, but this year seeing people working full-time minor league baseball jobs or, working uh, social media for a division one university, uh, their athletic department. It's been so cool to see where everyone has gone and the things that they're doing. Like our group chats for our Falmouth media teams are still very active. Um, we'll send in a message when like one of our favorite players gets promoted from single A to double A or Spencer Strider. Actually, he was a pitcher on the 2018 Falmouth team. And he got called up at the end of the Braves regular season when they were resting a lot of guys for the playoffs. Um, and he made his first major league debut. So that was really cool. And then kids on other teams. So I'll throw out some names, but um, Blaine McCormick was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, know. I know Blaine. Yeah, Blaine's a great guy. <laughs> he was in Bourne the year that I was first in Falmouth. And he and I are going to be in the same league uh, in double-A baseball this summer. And he's actually coming up. To New Hampshire. So I'm working for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats this year. This is year number two for Blaine um, with the Richmond Flying Squirrels, who are the the Giants affiliate, the fit the Fisher Cats, who I'm working for, are the Blue Jays affiliate, and we're on each other's schedule this year. And double A, same right? leader, double, double A, yeah, mm-hmm. double A Northeast. Um, he's with Richmond. Uh, Josh Schaefer is obviously a oh guy, guy who went to Arizona State and yep. he's killing it. He's doing uh, AHL for the Kings stayed in touch with him. A lot of this is like when each of us get new positions, it's just like a quick congratulatory text. I'm like, but isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? Like, especially with like, like, uh, Blaine, like you guys are in the same league. Like you're going to see each other. Like, you you know, like it's like, you you know, you got like Blaine. I know, for example, Blaine is from Colorado. Dave is from Massachusetts. Yep. He went to Arizona state. You went to Notre Dame. And now like your paths are going to enter your paths intertwined in the Cape. And that's how you know each other. And now it's like, oh, you know, oh, cool. Like it's playing again in New it Hampshire is very cool. of all places. So like that stuff to me is always amazing. And I find that I feel like that happens all the time in play by if you're doing the play by play route. I was just going to say like, yeah, I feel like even even today, I actually just went up to Manchester and like visited the stadium for the first time and met some of the front office, um, you know, employees up there. And I got dinner with the guy who's the number one. He actually just got promoted to AAA. So he's leaving at the start of this year, but I got to meet him. He was the one who conducted my interview process and the whole lunch. We're just sitting there like spitting out names of like people that we know are like, Oh, I know him from like, I did a UMass little hockey game with him two years ago. And now he's, you know, doing Seattle Mariners pre and post game for radio. And it's like, everyone really does know everyone. And I feel like I'm just scratching the surface with that. Right. Cause you know, I'm only 24 um you're around my age right you're 25 yeah i'm 24 i'll be 25 24? in a month in a month okay yeah so we're so we're right around the same age and um yeah just seeing seeing the paths of all of these different people the schools they've went to the jobs they've worked and uh when you'll see people from you know two years ago again like i'll be seeing blaine a good amount this summer and i'm sure we'll be texting about you know what are our thoughts on various teams and all that so it is uh it is a small world and i think that's one of the cool parts about it 
It it always is, man. It really always is. And like I said, like I know you. Like obviously, I know Blaine. Like it's just like it, it's it's always fun to me. It's always fun. But uh, so we, so you you do know their name, right? And you, and you do a bunch of cool stuff. Like so, like women's like I, I would say like so you said like women's basketball was kind of like the pinnacle of like your path in Notre Dame. So when you were uh, like a senior in college, and I know the pandemic was going on, so this probably screwed things up a little bit. But like. Were you, like were you nervous through your first like women's game like because at that point that had to be the biggest game of your career right to do like a yes. women's basketball game for ESPN three? Yes. So I would say like with that story in particular, I might have mixed up the years on this. So there was one year, yeah, I did actually. So the first women's game that I ever did uh, on Watch ESPN ESPN three was junior year. So basically, the way this works is like you understand this too, but. Uh, at all of these major schools, right, from any power conference, all of their games are streamed somewhere, right? And that was the whole advent of streaming internet. Um, pretty much every varsity's, nah, again, now we're getting into the weeds a little bit, but like they're not televising every swim and dive meet or every track and field event at these schools, but like think your main sports at your main schools, there's going to be a broadcast Here, of it. Let's, let's, I think a good way to put it, as always, always put it, is if you're a parent, of an Olympic sport yes. athlete at a big power six school, you will find a way to get the game. Correct. And why I bring that up is like most of these would start as like digital. And then the biggest games are the games that you'll see on your TV on ESPN or ESPN two. And I'm talking mainly basketball is the one that comes to mind, but you get a lot of baseball, you know, on some of these networks in the spring as well. And then pretty much the rest, my freshman and sophomore year was like streaming. And a lot of other schools use freelancers or local broadcasters and Notre Dame uh, would use student workers uh, to their credit. And it was the the opportunity that I got is pretty much because of that decision. Right. If, if they were using local broadcasters, uh, I don't know what my college experience would have been like or if I would have gone to Notre Dame um, because that was such a key cornerstone of my time there. Um, but, yeah, so this women's basketball game I get. It's not picked up by ESPN. It's not even picked up by the ACC network, which launched my junior year. So this was Notre Dame. They were number one in the country. They were playing Wake Forest. And Wake Forest wasn't very good. They weren't ranked. Um, But it was a game that fell to that digital tier, and it was worked by student workers. And I had kind of paid my dues a little bit to this point. So I, I, at the time, Notre Dame was number one in the country. Wake Forest was unranked. This is the year that they won the national championship with Enrique Agabawale hitting the buzzer beater against Mississippi State. Oh, my God. And I I just remember, like, Notre Dame was on a tear. They had just beaten Louisville earlier that week at home. And it's pregame, and I'm up, standing up for the national anthem courtside, and my hand is down on my chest, and my heart is just, like, beating, like, out of my shirt pocket, man. It was like... I, I took a moment. I was like, oh, my gosh, Like I'm really amped up for this game, aren't I? So, yes, I was extremely nervous. There's only been a handful of games like that uh, where I felt that type of nerves. But, yes, very nervous. Definitely was probably, uh, you know, visibly nervous for the first few minutes. But then, like any game, you, you sort of settle into your flow and, and go from there. And it was a blast. And, uh, yeah, that was definitely a highlight. That that's that's great. That yeah, I I've definitely had that experience doing like hockey, especially sure. Um, sure. for NBC, where I was like, yeah, like my like Eminem basically palms are sweaty. Like I'm like I'm right. freaking like I'm like this is really about to happen, especially during the national anthem. We have a little second there. Yep. Um, so like to close off Notre Dame, like was there you know because you're doing play by play right? There's not a lot of op- like it's not like it's it's a million things to do. Like there's like competitions so. Did you ever feel like it was a fight to really get like certain spots or like, was there like kind of like an ego, uh, like, like, you know, like an ego. Yeah. Competitiveness. Right. Exactly. Like, was it like, did you ever feel like that was ever an issue when you were at school? A couple small moments. I mean, it was like, like with anyone, I mean, you could be best of friends. And if like, I'm the same year as you and we're both play by play guys, like naturally we're going to, both want the big games right so there were a couple where like you know one person got an assignment one person didn't and like it was never like a huge you know fight or any drama or anything like that but obviously yeah like by the time you work your way up like you want the best games and so does the other person in Notre Dame it was just like a lot smaller than a place like Syracuse or Northwestern so 
was only a couple other kids my year who were play-by-play guys and and were working similar games as myself but like any place you'll get a little bit of it but I never felt like it was like every day I'm going into the office and I have to like prove myself right it was just maybe a couple moments of tension like when the hockey schedule comes out or when the basketball schedule comes out and everyone looks at the spreadsheet for their names um that would be the only thing I'd say but otherwise you know it's a very I shouldn't even say otherwise all in all it's a very inclusive um uplifting environment where people are rooting for each other you know, and, and the producers, the guys in charge of making these decisions, they're trying to spread the wealth too, right? They know that everyone's looking for, looking for tape. Everyone wants a couple hockey, a couple basketball. Um, and, and they understand the whole dynamics as well. So no complaints uh, on that end, but I would be lying if I was like, oh yeah, we were all smiles every single day. And I think anyone who says that at any school uh, would be, would be lying to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's kind of like, you know, it, it really is anywhere. And that's kind of the point I always try to make with people is like, it's going to happen. Like it just naturally, like you're going to feel a little competitiveness with things. It doesn't mean you, you know, you're, it's not like you don't like the people or whatever. It's just like, you know, there's spots there and you got to take opportunities when you can. Um, but so, you know, you, you leave Notre Dame and I don't think we've really talked. I don't know if you and me have ever really talked about your story at Northwestern. What, like what made you want to go there? And I'm, and I'm not sure. I, and I don't even know exactly if the pandemic had a reason to do with it or not. It did. Uh, so kind of just go into that because obviously pandemic, like you said, it's, it's, it's screwed a lot of people over. And especially, you know, I always say, I think you're, you know, for you, you basically, I, I cause you're, you're younger than me. You were basically missing. You uh, did you miss graduation? You didn't have graduation, yes, right? Yes. So, miss graduation. Yep. Yeah. So what just explain like how you got to Northwestern, what were some things you learned and, and how that's helped you, you know, from where you are today? Yeah. So I will rewind to February, 2020. I was out in San Diego. I was at winter meetings, um, for the minor league baseball season because I talked to mentors and they were like, Hey, you're going to be right out of school. No college athletics are going to be gone. You know, there's going to be some college broadcast opportunities that open up in the fall, but for the summer, you should be thinking baseball. So I go to the winter meetings. I had reached out to a lot of schools beforehand or schools, listen to me, um, I reached out to a lot of teams beforehand about, Hey, you know, I'm going to be at winter meetings. would love to meet you. Um, had a few responses from general managers and then basically like, a, an interview, um, within my first couple of days out there with the Orem owls. So they are no longer an affiliated team. I believe that they were on the chopping block when minor league, uh, you know, shaved, I think it was 40 teams and did that whole realignment around this time last year, maybe even a little earlier. Um, but yeah, so I, I interviewed with the Orem Owls who were rookie league, which is like literally as entry level as it gets. Um, it's below single A. And I was scheduled to be their broadcaster for the 2020 season. So it was the Orem Owls, rookie affiliate of the Angels in Orem, Utah. So I had literally accepted the job, um, was set to go there. March 2020 happens uh, pandemic sports are canceled and I'm just like up in the air, right? I'm like, uh, is the season going to happen? It doesn't really look like it's going to, but there wasn't word for about a month. Then I think it was around April in 2020. Hey, minor league baseball is completely canceled this year. So now I'm like freaking out. Like I had moved back from Notre Dame at this point. Um, and dude, you remember there were no sports going on. So like, how are you going to apply for any jobs when there's no sports going on? Yeah, it's a little tough. It's yeah, a little exactly. tough. So I was in the Northeast and I, you know, put together this big spreadsheet of a bunch of schools nearby. Hey, are any of these schools hiring for the fall? But then next step, all these schools start canceling fall sports. And the Northeast was like probably more ahead of the curb than other regions uh, in that sense, right? Like, and you're also living in like the Ivy School exactly. center yep. of the world yep. where like, I think they 100%. jumped on it like really fast, right? Like re- like they, they canceled football like in May. Correct. Yeah, the Ivy League was the first tournament to cancel their basketball tournament. Uh, they were the first one to say, hey, we're not doing any more basketball or any spring sports. And they were the first league to say we're not doing any fall sports either. So I drew the short end of the stick in that sense. And then I just reached out to some mentors. I'm like, all right, like, what do I do right now? Like, and meanwhile, they're all like, 
they're giving the best advice that they can, but none of them have ever lived through anything like this. So a few of them, um, my broadcaster, my journalism professors, Rich Jones and Victoria St. Martin, married couple out of Philly, were working in the Notre Dame journalism department and each were professors. And I get on a Zoom with them and they were like, have you thought about grad school? I'm like, honestly, I had. Like I had thought about the idea of going back to grad school for like, again, that that complimentary education that I didn't quite get at ND, right? If I could do a one or two year journalism program, you know, during a lull in my career, during a point where it made sense, it was something that was on the table for me. And I was thinking about places like Northwestern and Syracuse and Columbia. So I reach out to these schools in like July, dude. It's like literally like middle of the summer. And I reach out to them on a whim, just like last minute. I'm like, hey, this is my situation. Are you still accepting applications? Every school except Northwestern had closed applications. Um, I applied to Northwestern and I think that they had some story where like when COVID happened and they were, they were going remote for the fall, like a bunch of people who were going to come in that year, um, you know, deferred their application or said, Hey, I'm not going to go this year. So I think they were in kind of a rush too to like fill up their class. So within the, within the day that I applied, like I was in and knew I was going like less than two weeks later. That's how quick of a turnaround it was. It was kind of, wow. So it was that yeah. fast and you were going to Chicago too. And you're from correct Boston, you know, the Boston area. So like, it's not like it's an easy, you know, transition. You gotta like, you know, get your butt over there. Right. Um, it, it worked ahead. out. Okay. It worked out. Okay. I'll just finish this quick. Real, uh, I'll, I'll be brief here, but my cousin lived out in Chicago. He was like, dude, come crash with me. Moved out there. Their grad school was downtown. Um, and just as far as my experience, it was, you know, that kind of education, um, that I mentioned that I was kind of lacking, like what's a VOSA? What is Nat sound? Like, how do you shoot a package? How do you operate? I, I knew how to operate a camera, but like I had never actually gone out like an MMJ every day and like white balanced and like tested my audio. So those were really valuable reps and prepared me well. Um, and honestly, dude, like more than anything, I really say this, it was like kind of a way to just like pass the pandemic because it was just like so much uncertainty, so little hiring, um, that it was the move that made sense. It, it's almost like, yeah, like what it's like, it's almost like you, there's no FOMO in a sense. Like there's like, I got, there's nothing going on. Like I might as well go to totally. this, this great grad school, especially, you know, if you can do it, I got to ask how cool is Jay Adonde? Oh, he's, he's, he's a good guy, man. He's really, yeah, he's great. He, um, was our sports media specialization like head. So there are four different specializations you could choose at Northwestern. And uh, J.A. is the head of the sports. So he was great. I mean, he's such a good writer. He's a very thoughtful guy. Um, Mild-mannered, soft-spoken. I think my friends and I would say we had to, like, joke with him a little bit to get him out of his shell a little. But one of my best experiences with J.A. was we went to the Kentucky Derby together. Uh, Me, 12 of my classmates, and him. Um, We went on Medill Explorers. So you could either go and cover minor league baseball um, ironic, right? I didn't go on that trip out in right. Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you could go to the Kentucky Derby, and I was like, uh, "Sign me up for the Kentucky Derby." So that was a blast. And he went on that trip with us and told some fun stories. And extremely well connected, dude. I mean, he knows everyone. Yeah, I in think the that's industry. A, I think that's a good one. But and and for Jay Donde, uh, longtime LA Times writer, I believe, yes. um, ESPN contributor. If you ever watched Around the Horn, he has been on there a bajillion times. Yes. Um, and then. It kind of le- it was kind of weird that he left ESPN to, to work at Northwestern, which is where he went. So yep. uh, I I always found that fascinating. I don't know, not many people that big of as big as him to, to, to do a move like that. So I always, I had to ask just to hear his his story. So so Northwestern, like I said, you learn all the funny things. I can't tell you how many times you know I I, I got docked a grade for white balancing a shot wrong. So sure, I get sure. that kind. Of, you need those reps. Those are yep. very important reps to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what. So then you graduate and now you, you know, you kind of like, so now things are starting to come back, right? So you grad, it was only a year, right? The program was only a year. Correct. So yeah. It's May. Yeah, it was perfect. So May, 2021 is coming about. So now things are opening up again and we know that baseball is coming back, especially and, and, you know, college athletics are going to come start coming back. So 
how, what was your application process like? Cause you knew, I'm guessing you knew that you were going to kind of be a freelancer, right? So you knew you were going to take multiple jobs throughout the season. So what was that process like for you? Dude, I'm zero cap here. It was like the most stressful and like anxious. It was the most stressful two or three months and the most like anxious and like scatterbrained I've literally ever been. I mean, I like, can only imagine. And dude, just because <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, I don't, I don't think people understand. I, I, I always like to say this and you could tell me if I'm wrong here, but play by play to me is, is almost like the acting business where you kind of have to jump around and just pick your things on things. Like you're, it's literally, you're freelancing, you're figuring it out. And then the big people, you know, if you can make it, you can really make it. And it's like this, you know, then you're, you're making the Al Michaels money basically. So yeah. I, I like, and I can only imagine just graduating, especially where like everyone was cooped up for a year. So it's not like anyone had a job. So there had to be so many applications open. Like what, like, yeah, just cut, like you just said, it was stressful as hell. Like, can you go, go into details? Like where you I were will, applying? Like, in, yeah, bro. please go. give me, give us the full, full analysis of what I'd happened be happy there. To. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I'm, I'm speaking about it. So like kind of carefree is like, I've definitely moved past that time, but like you mentioned May, 2021. So it was actually, the program was a little strange in that Northwestern operates on quarters. So my program was September of 2020 until September of 2021, which was actually kind of ideal because yes, I missed the minor league window last year. I don't know how I would have spent September to March um, if I wasn't in grad school. So I said, okay, minor league baseball for 2021 isn't going to happen, but I'm going to graduate right as college sports are going. So you mentioned like, you, I think you asked, like you probably knew you were going to be a freelancer. And like the answer to that is like, yes and no, because I definitely saw it and I know the grind that it is early on and you have to bounce around different places. And like, dude, I cannot tell you how exhausted I get trying to explain what I do to uncles or aunts or confused friends who are like, wait, you work at five different places. Like, how does that work? And I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of how it goes. But yeah, last summer, man, I'm a, I'm reaching out to everyone. I, again, spreadsheet city. Like I, I write a list of, all of these schools, you know, cross country. I was like, yeah, I was gonna say you didn't, ma- you to- didn't, you must have not care where you're going. You, you would have no, gone a little no. rock. You were ready to go to Little Rock, Arkansas, if you had to. Totally, man. Yeah. So I mean, I, I had my eye on job boards, but like, this is the tough thing about play by play is like, a lot of play by play jobs, they're not on job boards. <laughs> your MMJ jobs are on job boards, or like your minor league jobs that open up for a six month season are on job boards. But like, there's no three-year full-time play-by-play job that's getting posted anywhere because those jobs don't exist so that was a rude awakening early on i was like all right man like this is a grind i was nervous talking to places i like really wanted to get my foot in and find a place where i could court, sort of grab onto um and that place ended up being brown brown was one of the first schools that i reached out to that responded quickly was very interested in having me uh could commit to giving me a lot of games So honestly, dude, when I moved back and I packed up my car from Chicago, like the biggest thing I had was Brown. I had talked to Northeastern and Holy Cross briefly. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get games there. Luckily, it was an area that I knew well and I could live at home for a little bit and save money. So that was huge. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was like, dude, coming back, it was like, all right, I know that I have about two and a half months of fall sports at Brown. I know that Holy Cross and Northeastern will have me in some sense, whether it's camera operating or like maybe getting a game here and there. Uh, And then luckily, once I got back and started to get my feet under me, first of all, that like stress and anxiety, like slowly went away. I like got back to what I like doing, which is just calling games. And then other opportunities just presented themselves. Like NBC sports was like, Hey, we still need you for the fall at Notre Dame. So I was able to travel back for that a little bit, did some hockey at ND as well. And then some of those other gigs that I mentioned, uh, ESPN stats opened up and my mentor, Mike Monica reached out to me for that. And then Brown, they liked what I was doing. They said, Hey, we need someone to do radio for the home basketball games. Like, would you do that? I said, yes. And then boom, I'm applying to minor league baseball jobs for the summer. I land one and now I know I'm, I'll be back at Brown, uh, doing football in the fall, which is, uh, another step up, if you will. I I just got told that a, a few weeks ago. So yeah, man, it was it was stressful. A lot of moving parts, a lot of uh, sleepless nights for sure. And we talked about it a little bit before you started recording, but like, yeah, that was definitely the most down I've been, like in this field. And uh, 
I think it, the biggest thing that it taught me though, is just like, you can't always see the bigger plan. And I know that sounds like such a cliche, but it's true. It's like, you don't always know what like the next step is and you don't, you don't have to see it clear as day right in front of you. Just like, you know, be where your feet are and then just try to take little steps forward, which was kind of my approach through it all. And it, and it worked out. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, congrats on Brown. I did not know about that. So congratulations. Um, you know, you mentioned about like the stress anxiety in the beginning and, and, you know, start to go away as you get comfortable. I mean, the thing with play, play, you know, people, I think, I know people who are not in the business, but like, I think a lot of people almost think like, Oh, we only, you're only, you're only really working when you're on the, when you're on TV, but like, mm-hmm. there's so much prep that goes into all these games, especially, you know, like you're doing football and, or, you know, all the Olympic sports really like, so you're, so like you're jumping around, like you said, it's like four or five different schools and I'm guessing you're pretty busy. Like you, I, I like, I would love to know how many hours you work a week almost, but like, do you, is it ever, has it ever felt like too overwhelming? Um, that it's like, wow, this is too much. Like I'm doing this game and I have to prep for this other one tonight after the game, you know, like what has it ever been like, felt like too much for you? I wouldn't say too much, but there have definitely been moments where I've been more stressed than others. And like, (laughs) dude, it's so funny because the, the most stressed I was, was like this summer I'm applying for jobs. I move back and basically say I can work games like immediately. I was like, oh, I want to get my foot in the door like as quick as possible. So the first event that Brown needed help with was a 12-team water polo tournament. Oh, okay. That and you know, I, I did a done... So yeah, what exactly. so what's that like, right? So like I'm sure that's not the first time you've done a sport you've never done. Like, I don't know if you were a hockey guy before. Like, I know for me I wasn't and I had to learn right. hockey. Like, so when you get a new sport like that, yeah, like what's that what's that like to to like you know, you taking out, you look it up like water pole for dummies. Like what is, yes. Your, basically what? short answer to that is yes. The the biggest key um, that I've found is find someone who knows the sport really well. So like the first time I called women's lacrosse, I knew nothing about women's lacrosse, but I had a friend who was on the women's lacrosse team. And I was like, Hey, can I pick your brain like over coffee? And you just like explain this entire sport to me. And she, and I, the thing about people in, in undercovered sports is they want the broadcasters to know what they're talking about. So usually they're more than happy to help you out. And I found that with women's lacrosse and uh, field hockey was another. I knew nothing about field hockey. My friend's best friend um, won a few national championships at Middlebury, though, which is a Division three school out here in the Northeast. And I got a, a two and a half hour Zoom with her and asked her all these questions about the sport. Water polo, I did not have that same uh, luxury, if you will. So it was definitely harder. Um, it was a lot more looking up YouTube tutorials and, and things like that. Um, but it ended up working out okay. I mean, it's like anything. It's like studying for a test. That's the analogy a lot of play-by-play guys use. I think it's appropriate because it's really just studying, uh, making sure your preparation is ready so that you can go and deliver um, you know, for your assignment. So yeah, th- that that was the first that I've done. And, and to get back to, you know, one question ago about like, did it ever feel like too much? Yes, for sure. Like when I have five games in the span of five days or like a weekend with three or four games, like those are bigger assignments and more stressful and less time between games to update stuff. But that's just where I think one of my strengths uh, has served me well, which is just like time management and just being organized. Cause that's really all it is. It's just like, okay, if you have a big stretch coming up, then build your roster frames a week in advance, right? Talk to your coaches, right. mm-hmm. you know, a uh, week before the game, as opposed to the week of little things like that, that helped made my, make my uh, process a little bit better. By no means was I perfect in any of those. It's, it's really trial and error. Like anything. It's like, okay, I like this part about my prep. I kind of want to tweak this. Okay. The coach, was not happy talking on the bus right after they lost. Maybe I should hit them up in the morning next time, right? Small things like that, that I'm kind of constantly calibrating. But yeah, man, it's uh, it can be a little bit stressful. It can be a lot at times, but it is, uh, it's something I enjoy for sure. So you've mentioned Mike Monaco a few times. Um, obviously seems like a very good mentor to you. Can you just kind of explain to the audience who, who, who he is how you guys, how he kind of became your mentor and like how much he has, how important it is to have him in your career? Absolutely. Uh, Mike has been awesome. So Mike was, Mike is a Notre Dame grad. 
he, I always get this year wrong. I'm pretty sure he was 2015. So he was there right before I started at ND. Um, and I knew of him. I had seen some tweets and he at the time was uh, mainly working at Western Michigan, but also at that point was starting to get some stuff with the Big Ten Network. And, you know, like uh, alum or recent alum networking calls, right? I'm pretty sure I had a mutual contact or maybe even cold called him uh, via email, introduced myself, asked for some time on the phone. And um, he was great. And, and he has been great ever since. But I think in the last like year and a half, um, it's almost like gone up a level. Like it's gone from mentor mentee to honestly, like I consider him uh, a friend at this point because he's just been there and like gives really good advice, but it's more than that. It's just like, it, it's accessibility. It's the fact that he always responds. Right. And I don't fault people when they don't, because I know that a lot of broadcasters are bombarded with networking requests and just need time and don't want to be responding to emails all day. I get that. Mike uh, always responded. He always was really in depth with feedback on my reel. And in the past year, like after one of my Notre Dame hockey games, like I didn't like how I phrased a couple of the questions and I was kind of hung up on it because I tend to beat myself up a little bit too much with uh, mistakes, which I've actually found to be kind of a common trend. Um, <laughs> among, oh, oh yeah. I so mean, that, I could, for me, you know myself, I mean, exactly, yeah, I've, yeah. I've messed up and it, it can haunt you, but you got, you, you know, it's TV things happen. Totally. It, and, and I called him after the game and, you know, was kind of uh, frazzled, if you will. And I was talking through, okay, I didn't, I, I phrased this wrong. I got a factual error wrong here. And he was just like, he calmed me down. He like reassured me. And he told a story uh, about a similar mistake that he made uh, when he was signing off a broadcast. He said, have a great Super Bowl Saturday instead of a Super Bowl Sunday. And he told me that story to help me realize like, it's not the end of the world. Like it's okay. And the fact that you, want to get better and are noticing your mistakes is actually reassuring. So those are some things that he's taught me. And, and just now this year, like we text more, it's a little bit more like chill, if you will. Cause you know, networking, I mean, it can be a little mm -hmm. bit formulaic at times, but like mm -hmm. we've kind of broken down that barrier to the point where he's just like someone I really look up to. He's a, about five years older than me. I think he's 28, maybe 29. Um, and he's someone who's, I, oh, I should have said this at the beginning. Hello. Went to Notre Dame. He's at ESPN now. Okay. Uh, he, he, uh, full-time broadcaster at ESPN. He also is doing Red Sox spring training this week with Kevin Euclid, which is pretty sweet. I don't uh, even know Euclid was doing TV these days. I think oh this is God. his first year. I believe this is his first year. So yeah, Mike, but Mike has done a lot of spring training games. He's done even some Red Sox regular season games, uh, when Dave O'Brien has a conflict with Nesson. So he's, uh, he's killing it. He's someone who, uh, I think is really good at what he does and is, is a role model in a lot of ways. So yeah, having someone like that, a text and a phone call away, um, and someone who I genuinely consider a friend is, is pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely blessed to have that connection. I think that stuff's so important. I feel like, especially in play by play, because you are going around so many places and to build those relationships with someone or the, just anyone really and the people you know i, I it, it does go a long way and i try to emphasize this on every episode just how important networking is we had emily on who mm -hmm. talked about the phillies uh play-by-play -play announcer who's passing my head right now but he, just how important tom mccarthy she, tom mccarthy yeah uh yeah yes i believe so and just how important he's been to her career and has helped her through a lot of things and it doesn't always mean you're going to get a job through them and that's not really the sure. point but it's just so that they have your back to know exactly what you went through or what you're going through. And they're, they can be there, you know, through this long and crazy journey in the sports business. Um, but now you're going to New Hampshire in the summer. Um, yes, and then I, I don't remember if you mentioned this, but can you explain how you got that job? Yeah. So this one was actually posted on a job board. So after that whole slander I had about play by play jobs aren't posted anywhere. That's not true. There are play-by-play -play jobs that are posted. And, and, what's, and what sites do you use usually? Are you just doing like LinkedIn, Indeed, or is it are there any other? LinkedIn, sites? Indeed, Teamworks is huge. Teamworks is like basically your sports um, sports job site. It has production, um, seasonal, part-time, full-time, broadcasting, 
camera, pr uh, producer, director, all those. So that's where I was going for a lot of minor league jobs. I actually had this one sent along to me by a friend who thought that I'd be a good fit. Um, so I was lucky in that sense. Yeah, I applied to about 15 minor league teams. Um, I thought double A was like the absolute highest I could probably get this year. Triple A seemed like uh, a little bit too far out of reach. So I applied mainly to uh, some unaffiliated teams. So some uh, independent leagues is what they call it. So the Pioneer League and the Frontier League are uh, some teams, some of whom used to be affiliated, but again, minor league reshuffled their whole minor league system recently. So more independent leagues. Now I applied to those. I applied to some short season, single a long season. I don't low a high a, I think is the official term. And then just two double a jobs um, and ended up getting a handful of interviews and it came down to Manchester and I really wanted it. It was, it was a job I was hoping I would get close to home, you know, a double a job for, the Blue Jays affiliate. And uh, thanks to Tyler Murray, who I mentioned just got promoted to AAA for the Red Sox. Uh, he headed up that hiring process and landed on me. And I got to thank Mike Monaco again, because he, uh, he helped me out with the recommendation there. So just goes back to the importance of connection and networking. Right. And also, and also just as important staying in touch. And I know you and Mike obviously have done that. And, and I think when people, you know, it, like I said, they don't have to reply to every time but just every once in a while this to be like every month it could be every like six months you know that's what i like to do is you know just to kind of catch people up on what you're doing and you know i think you advice or anything just you know it's always good to, to catch up so now you're going to be doing that in the summer uh or actually no i'm sorry pretty must be pretty soon so if you just you visited today so you're going to start in april i'm guessing when yes sir yeah april 1st day? is my first day okay april 1st there you go so um for you now. So it's, it's, it's funny, right? That's a, it's kind of been, it's been a crazy two years for like a lot of people. Um, and you're actually, I mean, to do double a minor league baseball at your age is a pretty good spot for play by play yeah. for sure. Uh, like I said, if you're, I would say if you're in the same situation as Blaine McCormick, I think you're in a pretty good spot because Blaine is an amazing broadcast, uh, play by play announcer. No um, what, what do you see as the end game? What do you see as, like what is your dream job you know and yeah how like because it's good it, it, it will probably take a long time wherever that may be but how determined focused are you on that goal dude my dream and i'm gonna hang on to it as long as i can until it's no longer feasible my dream is is right now it's march madness like that okay. is the event i would love to call like top of my list and whatever whatever comes second is a is a far to is a distant second so more, more than like a super bowl like if you if i, I would like, rather call march madness than the super bowl wow first round any rounds oh man now you're asking me to get picky i mean if i could do the final four right that would be like the dream dream if i'm giving if you do, if i'm giving you the gonzaga like uh, whoever played like right state and, oh i would do that in a heartbeat oh, okay. yeah you get to okay. you get to call gonzaga okay okay uh yeah, man. I mean, like I, I just, I'm a basketball guy through and through, um, always have been, it's just always the sport I gravitated towards the most. So that would be the dream for me. And honestly, getting to do Brown basketball this year was like such a blast because it was my first, like, again, we've, we've explained this at length, but it's not full time, but it's like, you're working for a team for a season, which feels a bit more consistent than hopping in for a random midweek you know, Northeastern women's soccer game. Right. So that was a blast just getting to know the team over the course of the year and uh, meeting the players and coaches and gaining some familiarity there. And that was kind of, it, it, uh, whetted my appetite a little bit because I was like, yeah, college basketball, I, you know, I always, I always knew I loved it. I always liked the basketball games that I've called, um, that just reinforced it in my mind. So that's, uh, if, if I can dream big, that's, that's where I'm leaning. So, you know, just overall, like, you, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff. It's a crazy journey and you're bouncing all around these places and people would, I think most people would say you were crazy. So just, you know, people, it, it sports media, it can be nuts, especially your kind of route. Like I said, play by play is not for everyone. It's not the easiest thing to do, especially early on. So why do you love it? Mm, great question for me. You know, when I got asked this question, like, three or four years ago, I'd be like, Oh, cause I, you know, I love sports and 
Um, I've always been a huge sports fan. For me, it really comes more to the storytelling and communication side. Like I do love sports, but I have been the guy who's telling stories at the lunch table or asking particularly pointed questions to spark debate. Like that's been me for like as long as I can remember. And that's why I love it is like telling the stories of these athletes, uh, telling the story of their season to an audience that is not as familiar with them. Cause that's really what your job is, is to translate the game and the players and the storylines and distill it down into a way that people can understand. Um, and that makes it fun and engaging to watch. Um, and an interesting listen, right? If it's a 10 to baseball game, how do you keep people engaged? If it's a six, nothing hockey game, um, what stories are you telling? That's what I love the most about it. And the moments that I've kind of realized that are when players or players, families, or even like fans that I've never met before, uh, will come up to me and say, Hey, I really liked how you did this, or even just kind gestures on social media. I've had a few of those. Um, those mean a lot. And those kind of reinforce, um, why I love doing what I do, which is telling the stories and, and connecting what I'm calling with the audience. That's listening. You know, yeah, I think you make a great point. Just like it really, at the end of the day, it's almost like you don't love sports as much as you love storytelling mm-hmm. in a sense. And it's it's that that's what connects people. That's what I think it, it, even when they don't realize that that's what captures people to like sports or to want to work in sports and kind of make it their career. Um, and I think that I think you're dead on that. I think a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, you know, that's the main reason why they, they like to work in the business, even though you got to travel, you know, all across new England, uh, to do it all. <laughs> so, right. uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but I think, I think you got to dead on the money there. And just to kind of close things out, just, you know, we're going to take you back to sports broadcasting camp at Boston university when you were That's just entering as a shy little kid, not knowing who snowball is and not knowing who anyone else is. <laughs> Dude, I, know, I actually was really shy. Year one. It, I yeah. was super shy. Not knowing what rug burn ball was, yep. uh, you know, nothing, the little inside joke there, you know, nothing, nothing like that. <laughs> You're just sitting there, you know, hoping that big poppy comes through that door as a speaker today. Sure. Um, what is the number one advice you would give to that David Korzenowski? I think it would be, I'm going to echo something what I said earlier, but like be where you're, I would say be where your feet are and just keep moving forward. If I could distill it down, right? Like don't get super hung up with what other people are doing or what awesome jobs they have or how their tape is so much better than yours. Or cause I feel like dude, broadcasting is so outward facing. It can be really easy to get down on yourself and to compare yourself to other people. I, I agree. I yeah. 100% agree. And just like, so be where your feet are, one. Just like be where you are, right? Like don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just like what are you doing right now? And um, how can you be the best in the moment that you're in, right? That's number one. And then number two is just like take those little steps. Like as I said, packed car moving back from Chicago to Boston. Like I did not feel super excited to be totally honest i was just like ah this is this is a grind like is this the best job i could have right now i'm second guessing all this and that but it was a step in the right direction right it was i had left northwestern i'd graduated and this was doing something that i love which was calling games and it was at a good place it was at a d1 university um you know division one school ivy league uh great athletics department there and and that led to other steps that i didn't see when I was driving that pack car back. Right. So I would say it's two pieces. Um, yeah. Be, be where your feet are and just like keep moving forward. Take those small steps All right. in the right direction. David, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I've wanted to do this with you for a while just because, you know, I've only had, I think one play by play person. And I think your story is interesting. And I think it's, you know, I think, I think a lot, I, I think a lot of kids and I know I even remember I wanted to do play by play growing up. I think that's like the first thing that people, want to do and they want to work in sports is to do play-by-play and i think it's always helpful to understand you know it's a great job but just like what goes into it the amount of work that goes into it i think sometimes people don't always realize that and what the journey you know what what kind of journey you could take and it's it's not a straight road it's a windy road that's definitely uh for sure so i can't thank you enough dave for joining the pod just kind of where can people reach out to get you listen to your Mm. stuff you know uh, and you know obviously you're gonna do minor league baseball so like where can we listen that to that as well 
Yeah, so to watch minor league baseball, MILB.TV. Uh, minor league has done a great job in the recent years getting all of their games uh, streamed uh, digitally, so you can watch there. To find me, uh, social media, I, I need to make better handles is something that I've realized because they're not really that easy. My Twitter is D underscore Coors, K-O-R-Z, 83. Uh, probably start there. There you'll find my website. My name's David Korzanowski, as you mentioned at the beginning of this. It's a long last name. Uh, you'll be able to see how it's spelled uh, in this episode description. But I have a website as well, uh, davidkorzanowski.com. Uh, and there you can get more contact information and some more of my materials. So yeah, if anyone's listening to this and you know anything that I've said uh, sparks a question or you want to follow up with me, um, yeah, door is open and I'd love to keep the conversation going. And I'm thanking you as well, Snowball, for the invite and uh, for chopping it up. It's been great. Yeah, of course. No, I've, like I said, I've really wanted to do this for you for a long time. So David Kornowski, basically, if you're a smart college student in the new England area, you will probably hear him at some point. Um, and of course, if you're a huge blue Jays fan and they're really exactly. want to check out if Keith laws rankings are correct on yep. their prospects, uh, you you're going to go listen to David this year, David, I can't wait to hear how you do this season, uh, with baseball, um, you know, and things wrapping up for you, uh, in new England. So, uh, thank you once again. And, uh, like I said, David, you know, big thanks. things are coming. Big things are thanks, coming Snowball. for both of us, man. All right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man.